Hello and welcome to the premiere of season two of The Archers. I am one half of your Archer co-hosts, Katie. Hello, I'm the other Archer, the other half of The Archers, if you will. My name is Madison. I'm so happy to be here for season two. Katie, how are you feeling? Oh my goodness, I am feeling on top of the world. Shout out to Erin, our beautiful season two maestro. Um, That ethereal drive down a sunny highway is brought to you by Erin. We'll link to all of her little socials and all of her info in our description. Thank you, Erin. And yeah, after hearing that theme song, like, how can I not be ecstatic about going into season two? No, exactly. When I heard it, too, it made me so excited. Like, about a week ago, I think, is when we had it, or I had listened to it for the first time. I was like, oh my god, season two, I'm ready. I know. And as you'll probably notice, our little, like, icons, our Gaylor icon, um, what would you call that? Like, not a logo. It's like our cover, basically. Like thumbnail? the Archer's cover. Our thumbnail. Thumbnail. Exactly. Has been redesigned, rebranded, if you will, um, by none other than Madison themselves to be an extremely summery, peachy, 70s, like... We have the mirror ball edition. We have shooting stars. We have our a daisy, our taxi. There's so much new and there's so much old. It's just, mm, I love it. And again, just like our amazing theme song by Erin, like I am so fucking ready to go into season two of The Archers. It's literally The Archers in a different font. Like quite literally, were quite literally switching fonts for season two (laughs) if you look at the logo it is a different font (laughs) literally we're asking you to look at the font it's literally different please look at the font we chose it's really cute (laughs) i don't know i'm just feeling like so exhilarated first of all it's pride month it's june we're releasing this on june june 19th is when we come this will be released and like what a beautiful you know what it is it's a sad beautiful tragic time to be gay right now and like incredible like just incredible it's like happy free confused and lonely at the same time it's precisely that and you know why it's especially that because taylor has not released anything since season one So we are still very much in red era. <laughs> yeah. Remember when we were like, maybe we'll have to come back sooner if there happens oh. to be another release by Miss <laughs> Taylor. Probably by then, right? Um, but no, instead, we literally ended season one with the last release that she did of This Love, which, I mean, I'm still walking on air. I'm still oh, yeah. so grateful that she released This Love. Uh, still amazing. Has only gotten better as it's like... The only thing I've been able to cling to. Um, but yeah, other than that, radio silence from Dr. Swift herself. I guess when you become a doctor, you're a little more reserved, I guess. You're booked. Your, 
Right. She's booked and busy. She She's booked was at Tribeca busy. Film Festival. She mm-hmm. was performing all too well 10-minute version. She is standing with birdcages posing for graduation photos mm-hmm. taken by Scott yeah. Swift. She is busy. She is busy and blessed. So we're here to kind of like... um you know, kind of stoke the flames of Gaylorism um, as we wait on uh, the king herself to kind of breathe life into these flames. Um, And what better way to come back to the main stage than kicking off our season two with an analysis of the iconic problematic gay anthem you need to calm down yes you know the one (laughs) yes we're talking yes i know it's exciting that's right the gay pride anthem uh yeah and i mean the reason it's iconic and problematic is because of course uh, during my healer, my excuse me, not my healer days. Those never, those days never existed, and they never will. Yeah, that would my be concerning. T- <laughs> <laughs> my Taylor hater days. Um, I, you know, as a gay person, considered this song to be a hate crime because I was viewing it through the lens of this is a straight person queer baiting. And in my last two years of being a Gaylor, being a kind of like diehard Taylor stan, for better or for worse, I now view that song in a very different way. And I have been so excited to go into this with you, Madison. This is something we haven't gone into before. I've barely even gone into it on my own time because I also was a little cringed out by its release initially and... Since then, I haven't really turned back. I think I rewatched this video for this episode for the first time in like maybe over two years. I sometimes would start it to revisit it and I wouldn't get through it. I would see people's analysis of it on Reddit, Twitter, whatever. But I I never wanted to rewatch it myself because it really made me feel a little bit cringed out. But like Dr. Swift said in her NYU speech, embrace the cringe. I actually have been thinking about that a lot and kind of catching myself feeling cringe about things. And I'm like, what is this actually? What is cringe actually if not some sort of insecurity of looking silly for enjoying something you know exactly what taylor explained in her speech so exactly and as someone who has been like like i've had a like a full body relationship with cringe since i was like very young like i'll always remember like reading books as like you know, an elementary school student, a middle schooler. And if there was anything like remotely embarrassing in the book, like I would literally have to put the book down and like hide because like I felt so much secondhand embarrassment. And like that is truly that has always been my relationship is like I feel secondhand embarrassment so easy and it's a full body thing. And that is how I felt watching this video for the first time. And like now Seeing it now, I'm just like, this is just a gay bitch having fun with her gay friends. I have to stop, like, or, or not have to, because, like, I, I am lucky enough that I did stop this way of thinking, like, probably a year ago. But, like, I just was so, like, clinging 
to this idea of like queer purity and this sense that like you have to demonstrate your queerness in like a certain authentic way and like this video did not meet that like kind of subconscious authenticity bar that I had and like now that I've kind of like tumbled down those bricks I do see that this is truly camp like this actually is camp and camp cannot be cringe because camp at its core is sincere exactly transform your cringe into camp That needs to be a Gaylor Scout motto. Transform your cringe into camp. Because that's what it is. Just even if something isn't intentionally camp, if you pretend that it was intentionally supposed to be camp, your cringe goes away. Well, so that is the like kind of double edged sword of of camp. It's like to be camp, you have to be inherently sincere. And so like as soon as you're like, oh, this is too sincere. This is too earnest. I'm cringing. It's like, bitch, no, it's camp. And like there is no queerness without camp. It doesn't exist. I completely agree. I'm really glad you brought that up, actually, because that is everything that this video gave me when it first came out. It's everything that I feel now rewatching it. I even was thinking to myself while watching it this time I was like she quite literally did gay camp because she wanted to make a point that this is camp even if it wasn't that that wasn't her exact intention that's what I choose to believe and it makes it so camp and so funny and so good I completely agree and also it's really important to remember as I'm sure we'll get into later but speaking of camp this premiered like right after looking camp straight in the eye was the theme for the Met Gala. Right. And of course, Taylor did not go to the Met Gala this year for whatever reason. And like, to me, this is her response to looking camp right in the eye. She literally sets up a physical camp as like a gay trailer park. That's like a gay summer camp, basically. I mean, there's just a lot of like Met Gala little inside jokes as we'll get into like with Katy Perry wearing her looking camp straight in the eye burger costume I mean there's just so much to get into with this I want to start at the beginning but like overall I just think that if we approach this as a piece of purposefully quote-unquote cringy piece of media it's because like that is taylor's base relationship with queerness is that like she loves the gay community so intensely much that this is like her sincere love letter to everything that she loves about it and that's very camp this is kind of the first point that i guess we can get into i feel like this video looks very low budget and like low quality and that really intrigues me for like a number of reasons because this is taylor swift like all of her budgets are high so i wonder if and i'm wondering your thoughts on this is do you think it was intentional for it to look kind of low budget and just kind of like she made it with her friends type of vibe maybe because todrick directed it that's what he wanted it to be more like more like fun and casual or is it that it was low budget And maybe it was a little last minute, a little thrown together, a little, Mm. you know what I mean? Because that's kind of the vibe that I get. I don't understand why else it would be. And I only get that vibe because of the quality of the video and the color grading changes throughout it. Wow. Like by the end of it, there's like no saturation in the video. (laughs) And I don't know if that's 
just me noticing things because I noticed <gasps> oh, things like that. I love that. I don't know. I don't know if they lost daylight while they were filming, which would kind of make sense because it's like it turns a little gray. No. Like it looks like they were wrapping up and that food fight scene was like filmed in one take because they did not have time. Like, wow. And I this isn't meant to be a read. Yeah. It's truly my observations yeah, yeah, yeah. that I noticed in comparison to Taylor's other videos. Oh my god, what a film you scholar know? you are. I love that you were like really analyzing these elements because those did not cross my mind. Like that like especially the color grading. I love that. I love photo and video editing yes. and I noticed that I was irritated at the end of the video because I was like the brightness is off. The contrast is off. Why isn't anything bright anymore if we're in gay summer camp? Like, why is why is everything dull? Why does it look like it's about to rain on Katy Perry and Taylor Swift? Well, I mean, again, I don't want to really, like, skip all the way to the end. But I feel like that in of itself might be hinting to, like, her larger kind of displeasure with the fact that this song, despite all of its kind of like overt queerness and celebration of queer culture, still did not result in her formally coming out or coming out in a way that anyone recognizes besides Gaylers, you know, like, so the idea that the color is slowly draining, it's like she started out this journey of lover with so much optimism and so much brightness and so much like hope for like, this can be when I come out, like this will be my big coming out anthem. And then by the end of it, it's like raining and there's a food fight and it's like messy and like she hugs Katy Perry, but it's like not particularly good. It's like, okay, like where am I going to go from here? Like my beautiful queer dreams have fizzled out. Right. Like now everyone's just fighting. Now and everyone's fighting. That's what kind of what I was getting at. Like maybe it was intentional in that way, exactly what you just described. And not only was she not able to formally come out or like didn't come out formally in that way. There was also that backlash about the music video before it came out having to do with like people saying that she was queer baiting because there were rumors that she kissed Katy Perry at the end of the video. I think we've gone into that before, but it just made me think of that too. Like I was like, maybe that's why this part's drained out because she's like, this isn't what it was supposed to be anyways. Or maybe they did film that last minute and had to do an alternate ending you know like oh oh my god exactly i mean that's kind of what the rumor was was that there was an alternate ending and then because of backlash she changed it to just a hug and of course we know that taylor like adamantly denies that and there's no reason for us to like you know doubt that or whatever because we know how warped uh rumors can get in hollywood like a game of telephone eventually um oh and by the way for our listeners uh, we do have a whole episode on our Patreon breaking down the Katy Perry and Taylor Swift feud that, like, essentially the narrative is that the feud is over based on them hugging as burger and fries at the end of this music video. And that's like a three hour episode we recorded on our Patreon. There's so much more about the Katy Perry feud than we can get into that we would ever want to get into on the main feed. Yeah. So much that we never realized. And suddenly recording that episode, we were like, are Katy Perry and Taylor Swift together? <laughs> Just a Obviously. spoiler. I mean, who knows? Who knows? That's the idea of this podcast. We, we don't, don't know. know. Yeah. But that's kind of where we ended. We were like, that could be a possibility. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot going on there. <laughs> so, yeah, we're not going to get into that aspect of this video very much because we did do a extremely no. long breakdown of that. I mean, that the other things, too, is like, I think that it's 
a few different things as far as the like low budgetness of it because there is that like shift that could represent like the fact no formal coming out the fact that infighting is one of the main reasons why taylor um you know we don't know for sure the reasons why she didn't formally come out but one theory is because of like the amount of members of the queer community such as myself at the time who were like taylor's not gay how dare she queer bait us like this like believe me taylor's the straightest person in the world like the sheer aggression of like infighting and i mean what is that food fight but literal infighting in the queer community at the end like it's playful and silly but and as you say that i realize you had that same kind of thought about Katy perry too because Katy perry is also someone that the queer community is like you're queer baiting you've said fucked up things like you've saying weird things before you know and and then it's them too both these women that have been accused of queer baiting hugging in the midst of all the queer people fighting exactly so that could be one thing and then as far as the general low budgetness of it my two ideas were one diy low budget like all taking place on this like one big gay trailer park like that is a queer vibe you know like if you want to make a video about community why would you focus on like special effects or like any kind of like big thing like that like you'd want to focus on just having it be like fun and like bright and like you know just like making it a very aesthetic video which as we know from Lana Del Rey, who's kind of like the queen of aesthetic videos, is very low budget. Like, that's an aspect of it. Um, And then the other thing I was thinking as a reason why it might be low budget is because the vast majority of the money probably went to all of the cameos that are in it. Like, so many famous people. There are so many people in that video. Yes! So many people. (laughs) And, like, I think that some people, like Mm -hmm. Ellen and Ryan Reynolds, are, like, I don't... Do I think that they were paid their, like, appearance fee? Probably not. Like, I think that they were probably, like, doing a favor for a friend. Like, I do know that happens in Hollywood. Like... Taylor Swift asked you to do a favor. I think Ellen was paid. I don't think Ryan Reynolds was paid, but I think Ellen was like, write me my check, Taylor. I love that. Very true. Very possible. Um, I love that you give Ellen Ellen that much credit, but... mm. Well, only because because Taylor's a celebrity. If it was a random person, I absolutely would not give her that credit. But, like, it's obviously in Ellen's best interest to keep celebrities happy. Like, extremely uh, influential celebrities She's happy. traumatized Taylor Swift before, too. So maybe she absolutely. owed her a little something <laughs> a little for something. being so insane every yes. time she's interviewed her. she's She made her cry that one time. I know. About asking about her boyfriend. Oh, my God. And Sickening. Taylor was probably like, listen, Ellen. Let me tell you why I don't I have boyfriends. I need a camera my gay music video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a good point, though. The actual, like, the Queer Eye cast was obviously paid their appearance fee. All, like, I'm just, like, the YouTube stars. Like, Taylor obviously paid all these people, and, and they had to be paid. Um, so that could truly be where most of the money, the budget was spent. Mm-hmm. That's true. I honestly did not even consider that. The pyrotechnic scene, that required some money as well. Okay, so let's go... All those oranges in that one second clip. (laughs) 
Yeah, who knows why, like, music videos make the choices that they do. To only include one second of that of that amazing scene that we're going to break down. Okay, yeah, let's go beat by beat. Let's start at the beginning so that people can, like, grasp chronologically. And it just so happens that I am thrilled to start off from the beginning. Because the beginning scene of her in that Malibu feather robe with her sleeping her satin sleep mask in that gorgeous trailer with the share quote on the wall like that is my heaven if i wake up one day in that ensemble in that room i'll be like i am in heaven that really is your heaven like i fully oh, yeah. agree that's how i picture you waking up every morning if only i know i haven't <laughs> been to your your home in vermont but i truly imagine that's what it would be and i <laughs> like, all i need is the literal malibu feather and it's pretty much like that it really pretty much is. no yeah yeah only sadly like unlike taylor i do have a gorgeous beautiful wife by my side when i wake up in this little heaven oh. so if anything yeah. i'm kind of winning as far as taylor's life versus yeah mine. Sorry, hon. Sorry, hon. Sorry, Taylor. Okay, so we open in the trailer setting. She has her little sleep mask on. We hear the iconic little opening lines. And before she even begins singing, we see the Cher quote on the wall. It's not attributed to Cher. It's kind of like a if you know, you know scenario. We see the quote on the wall. Mom, I am a rich man. Amazing. Amazing. Even as a hater, I had to give it up. Because, like, I'm not a share hater. Never will I ever be a share hater. And uh, iconic quote, incredible quote, like, powerful kind of, like, full body chills. And, you know, I think that uh, uh, the standard Swifty thing about this is it's an Easter egg for the man. Um, mm. But, of course, like, we know that it's so much different because Taylor, who now wants all of her friends to call her king... You know, Taylor, who, like, loves being called the man, identifies as the man, like, drinking her little man drinks, her old fashions. Like, she is the rich man. And the fact that the quote is someone, is Cher talking about relaying to her mother that she doesn't need to marry a rich man because, Mom, I am the rich man. Like, that to me shuts down all kind of like marriage rumors like that's very much plainly mm-hmm. saying like believe me i'm not in the i'm not planning on getting married to a rich man like i'm not planning oh, on playing that's my such game. a good point because this is also the album where she sings in lover like making it sound like wedding vows and this is where the wedding rumors like really got like spread like wildfire among Swifties because of Lover and because the album was so happy and marry you with paper rings and this and that. Like she talks about marriage in the album, but then you're right. This quote in context is her saying, I don't need to get married. Like I am a rich man. What are you talking about? I also want to note that this was like, what is that called? Cross stitched on the wall with like, with like little flowers around it. If that's not the gayest thing you've ever heard in your life, who cross stitches that is straight? No, exactly. DM me. If you're listening to this, we have a different conversation to have. So (laughs) reach out. If you're listening to this and you're straight and you're not (laughs) related to one of us, reach out. We have some news for you. Reach out. Yeah. 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 A couple of things. We'll talk about the cross stitching. If you're cross stitching Mm. and you're straight and we'll talk about... (laughs) Some other, we'll check in. We'll check in. Right? That's right. <laughs> My messages are open. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> Amazing. You need support. What a service you're providing. Um, it's like the opposite of conversion camp. It's um Yes. It's gay camp. It's the oh, you need to calm please. down Please. Please. Exactly. That's what it is. Oh Lord. After that scene it cuts into her, I think, taking the the pink little fur coat off. And then it's her back with like the tattoo of the snake turning into all the butterflies, which is the crazy part. Because like before she's even started singing, she's showing this symbolism, this piece showing her as a snake in the reputation era, being bitter and being mad and being closeted and hiding things a little more secretly to now this butterfly free coming out narrative, basically. Even when I was a hater, I gave it to her for the share quote, quote and I gave it to her for that because I was like, oh, that really does mean she's coming out, huh? Like, I was like, I guess that confirms that she is. Like, that back tattoo is what made me be like, oh. I love that that meant so, she means so much like, to you. Because I was like, this is on her body. So this isn't an ally thing. Like, this is her showing a very, like, symbolic coming out imagery on her own body, on her back, within the first, like, 15 seconds of the video. I was like, that has to mean that she's coming out. Not that it's just her being like, woohoo, Pride Month, let's go gays. Like, (laughs) just before we really get in, or, you know, as we're getting into this, it is really weird how we have this insane like intense standard for Taylor Swift because something I've been thinking a lot about is like this idea of queer baiting and it's like queer baiting is something that occurs in television shows or like films it's something that like marketing companies do that like you know for example that show Supernatural like I've never seen that show so pardon me if I don't talk about it in like an accurate way but from what I understand it's like they basically teased this couple like these two men being together for like 12 seasons or whatever and then they don't actually like end up together they share like I think and they don't end up being queer they don't end up being queer but it's like they've been they like almost end up being queer or like similarly you could say in harry potter how like we're supposed to believe that dumbledore is gay the whole time even though like we have no tangible material evidence that he's gay it's like no one's identity is compromised by him not being gay like it's a fictional character like fictional exactly fiction can queer bait Because no one's real material lives are affected by, like, fictional things. But, like, real-life people? Like, if a man made this video, obviously everyone would be like, he's fucking gay, obviously. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, my God. I didn't even think about that. If this was Harry Styles in this video, can you imagine? No! I mean, that's the thing. Harry Styles does half as much a queer like symbolism as taylor does and he's pretty much universally accepted as being like somewhat queer you know what i mean mm-hmm. like no one is people like have just accepted that before he yeah. even said it exactly people were like oh yeah we believe him exactly and he was just hinting at it just hinting just being yeah. like oh you know whatever like just being like cagey about it was enough for people to believe that he was queer and like taylor literally is like going to the extremes of having a video like this and people are still like "Mm, not good enough like same holding that same standard i did of this like 
queer purity level and like queer authenticity that we're expecting them to meet and they're not reaching. I think what people confuse queer baiting with and something that I used to believe queer baiting was is making money off of queer people and making money off of queer things. And that's not what it is. That's a part of it, but that's not because that is an aspect of something doesn't mean that it's queer baiting taylor swift making music that is queer and listened to by queer people making money off of queer people is not queer baiting just because she's making money off of us it's her as a queer person making money because her fans happen to be queer when it's tv shows movies books companies that have money tied into things and it's on a bigger scale like that and it actually is queer baiting, for example, Supernatural. Yes, they're making money off of queer people. And also it's queer baiting because they're baiting queer people to watch the show, but not actually putting queerness into the show. Yes, exactly. Taylor is baiting queer people to listen to her music because it is queer. Because she is queer. Yeah. Because she's like, I love and having And it's queer the same fans. with a lot of artists. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, literally. Like, it's... I, I think the term queer baiting has gone too far and that's <laughs> a that's coming from someone who less than a year ago was calling things queer baity just think about it if you're someone who really really calls out queer baiting quickly and often really try to analyze what that means to you because it is important it like don't call out things that don't need to be called out within a community that like don't be the food fight scene at the end uh I love that. Queer people mm. shouldn't fight with each other. It's true. Yeah, except about it's just there's no things. point. Important things. We need to save no, exactly. our energy to actually be able to have conflict about important things. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so I've decided to watch the video silently as we discuss it because even though I watched it before we recorded, I'm feeling um like I need a little visual reminder. So I'm now watching it on silent as we discuss it. That's honestly smart so that we can go in like order too. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm just at the point where we just saw mom, I'm a rich man. And now she is stretching her little arms as she wakes up and takes off her little masks and she starts singing. She's checking her clock, which is of course a little cat. What do we and think also, about that? The clock is just turning and turning and turning. Time spinning rapidly. Um, I think the little cat is on her clock um, because she is a lesbian cat lady. Yes. And I think that the clock turning and turning and turning is her being like. Time for cats. <laughs> I don't really know how long I've been in the closet because I'm just in the closet. So time just turns and turns and turns and i don't really know what time it is because i've been stuck in this trailer for a really long time that is the thing oh my god i'm so glad you said closet and trailer in the same breath because literally when you're a celebrity your trailer is your closet like when you're on the set you go to your trailer to like get ready and get your stuff that's so true yeah that's so, so tr true a trailer is a closet 
And it turns out, like, later in the video, I kind of came to that conclusion, too, that I felt like everyone's trailer was, like, their little closet and the time turning and everything. She's like, uh, time is just passing. But now it's time for Pride Month. So I'm going to come out and <sighs> celebrate with my gay people. Yes. We can all come out of our trailers. Finally, we can come out of our trailers. And, I mean, she literally sets the trailer on fire. Okay, so I was right. So she doesn't, we don't see the tattoo until after the blunder scene. You were right, because then she leaves her trailer. With it in flames, and, that's when she and comes then she out does to that amazing little reveal. Yeah, which even makes more sense, because she's coming out of her trailer, she's coming out of her closet, and then she's showing her little coming out tattoo. That's right. Does Taylor have tattoos? Okay, this is a theory I've been wanting to talk to you about, actually. <gasps> I think that she does, and they're all hidden. Ooh, I love that. She's such a modest dresser. We truly wouldn't know if she had any tattoos. She's worn a lot of just, like, body suits, things that cover her body more since, like, I don't know. I guess in Lover, she wore, like, two-piece sets and stuff. But still, there could be something on, like, her rib cage or, like, her hip. Like, somewhere that we never see because I'm someone that has hella tattoos and they're all hidden. So I was thinking well, yeah, about Lizzie it for Taylor. Well, like, I was yeah. like, she could easily have tattoos, too. Right. And mm-hmm. we mustn't forget about, like, high-grade tattoo coverage, which is, like, literally all makeup artists have like great tattoo covering like oh and speaking of butterfly tattoos mm. you know dolly parton is tattooed right oh, yes butterflies of course yes she has butterflies on her arms and she wears long sleeves all the time because she doesn't show them yes oh god i love dolly maybe that so was like much. a dolly reference too oh heaven maybe that heaven. that shot was like God, I love that so much. So, yeah, Taylor does her little, like, honestly, can I say something? This first scene in the trailer is, like, her Madison cosplay. Because I know she's dressed like me and my aesthetic, but the degree that she's acting feels very Madison-coded. Because it's, like, she's almost, like, miming, like, oh, haters on my phone bye like she's playing her little character in a way that i know you love to play little character and the reason that i say this is her coming out of her trailer for pride month is because the way that she wakes up like "Ah, (laughs) it's june 1st oh someone's texting me it's pride month not my business yeah that's my excuse for everything the past three weeks Same. i walk around yes. and i'm like it's pride month i don't care get out yeah, of my face gay, like it's pride month. gay like, people only straight people do not talk to me exactly yeah. and that was literally what i was just saying last week mm-hmm. that i was done talking to straight people intentionally so mm-hmm. yeah i agree that is me that is me waking up especially during pride month and okay this scene of the blender I really want to get into this scene because, first of all, pink champagne. Ugh. Uh, amazing. Orgasmic. I cannot express enough how how much this scene, this scene in the trailer means to me. Like, I love this aesthetic so, 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 so much. I love, 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 love. I can't get over her little bow in her hair. The cotton candy, the lipstick, the pin curls, the pink lemonade, the pink champagne, putting the cotton candy in the blender. Heaven, heaven, the perfect queer aesthetic for me. And please, we have to talk about the blender because I, 
thought nothing of the splendor beyond I liked the pink colors swirling around. Like I'm a little baby watching a washing machine. Just Coco Melon. Just Coco Melon. This scene is Coco Melon for me, a giant baby. It is. It really is. And, but then, okay, so then Mia, famous Gaylor Mia on TikTok, Dick Van Dyke. Um, posted a clip of a country musician, Shelly Wright, who is a out lesbian, talking about homophobia in Hollywood and in the music industry, specifically using the metaphor of a blender. So, Madison, you wrote incredible notes on this. I would love for you to, like, go in deeper. That video is crazy. I'm going to link that video in the description of Shelley Wright giving her little, like, speech about the industry and coming out, what it meant to her. I'm pretty sure it was during her book release, which she released an entire book and documentary series after she came out, explaining why she came out the way she did, why she didn't come out before, why it was so hard for her, what happens in the music industry. She did all of this in 2010. So this was, like, absolutely fucking revolutionary. Like, no one was coming out and exposing Hollywood for its homophobia like that. Like, no one. And she was a country singer, too, which is even crazier. I mean, like, country as a genre is radical in its roots. And it's, like, sad that during this time it was stadium country. It was America country. It was imperialism, nationalism country. Like, post-9-11 country, yeah. Post 9-11 country. That's the word I was looking for. Exactly. So that's insane, honestly. And the video is worth a watch. A little bit of background too. Shelly and Taylor Swift wrote a song together when Taylor was in her debut era. So literally like 2006, mm-hmm. probably because yeah. it was before it even came out. Yeah. Um, it was called Thinking About You and it includes the lyrics. And now I can't walk straight. I can't talk straight. And it brings me so much joy to imagine little baby gay Taylor writing a song with Shelly and Shelly being like, you know, it's a hard world in this country industry. Like, you're already in it. You already have your Sony contract. You've had it for a few years now. I want you to know, like, this is what goes on. And Taylor being like, that's scary. Knowing or not knowing that she's queer. We don't know. Either way, she was probably scared regardless, subconscious. I mean, I would love to think of, I would love to think of Shelly as like a, at that point, closeted, um, but like coming out like towards the end of when she's like, I can't be closeted anymore. Like, you know, like in the last couple of years of like being closeted, like writing with Taylor and like, we really don't know if Taylor knew that she was queer openly identified as queer like what that was all going on but I love the idea like queer people always find each other and like as a teenager like queer elders not that Shelly was like an elder necessarily at the time I think she was like uh in her late 30s (laughs) so not an elder yeah yeah Um, elder to Taylor older than older than Taylor (laughs) exactly like crucial crucial in all queer young people's lives is like seeing examples of people being queer and the way that she references okay so go into Shelly's little thing um and like some of the quotes that she says specifically from it because I had kind of have the feeling that she was aware that Taylor Swift was queer 
Well, as you say that, I agree because as you say, maybe Shelly working with Taylor kind of made her realize like there's going to be other kids in the industry that are going to go through the same thing that I went through and that's fucked up. It's interesting you say that because 2010 was when she came out and she said in her documentary and her book that it took her three years to plan coming out and to plan leading up to it and to plan how she was going to do it. So that would have been after she met Taylor that she decided to start planning her coming out and when she would have come out with this documentary and book where she spoke at her book release having this crazy speech. She would have already met Taylor by this point. And wrote a song with her. Exactly. She had already been associated with her closely. So I can imagine being Shelley Wright being like, fuck, like this girl is going to get eaten up and chewed out. And she's referencing just homophobia in Hollywood. She says, the machine of the hiding, and there's a big machine, let me tell you. And what happens is the machine stays intact. And if you can imagine a blender and people get into it and the hiding just spits them out and they, they don't, you don't survive. You can't stay in it, but the machine stays fully intact. And it's unforgiving and, and it, it kills people spiritually and oftentimes physically and it's going to keep going and it's going to keep going until somebody who has something to lose stands up and just says i'm gay somebody big i mean you know i i had something to lose but i'm not we made a huge huge star at the top of their field at the very top to stand up and say i'm gay so not only did she talk about having a blender like this scene and you need to calm down where she also has pink champagne in the blender which is a reference to hotel california a song about the machine of hollywood not only does she talk about the blender she talks about a big machine which is the record label that taylor's dad invested into and started with scott bruschetta which is the label that Taylor started under, got her big break under, writing for debut with Shelly. Why would Shelly pick those specific words? And why would she correct herself after saying the machine and then say, it's a big machine, let me tell you? Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, is that 2010 is right after Taylor won her her first Grammy for Fearless. And... Right. Like 2010 is also when like think of this in the context of the music Taylor's creating at this time. Like this is when she's writing her Red Era because as we know um All Too Well was written in 2010. Like she's kind of already like rehear like she's practicing for touring Speak Now. So like a lot of the songs are being like for Red are being written at this point. So she hears Shelley Wright reference this and like know in her heart that like she knew Shelley Wright was queer. Shelley Wright knows that she's queer. Like maybe she looks up to her as like a mentor at this point. That was the word I was looking for a mentor, like a queer mentor. Um, and Taylor at this point is 20, 21, 22 in the years following writing red. She writes the lucky one, which is about someone being like, I can't do this. Goodbye giving up Madison Square for, you know, gardens. And she writes nothing new, which of course she doesn't release until the vault version, but like nothing new literally has that line. Like, I know I'm going to meet 
a 17 year old who's going to look up to me and I'm going to be like, holy shit, like, I can't believe that I'm just putting the same exact system in place. That's literally making me tear up because that is probably what nothing new is about. And that line has eaten me up alive. The fact that people say it's about Olivia Rodrigo. And I know that it is not about Olivia Rodrigo. I know that she wrote that line during Red Era. And it makes sense because Taylor was probably 17 when she wrote with Shelley. Exactly. And she's like, I know I'm just going to end up in Shelley's footsteps of being the lucky one. Of meeting this girl and being like, fuck, you're going to get eaten up and chewed up and spit out like I did. I would agree with that theory. I would I would put money on that. Yeah. And I, I just like, I'm just so grateful that like, because the first time I saw this was on Mia's TikTok. So I'm so grateful for Mia's bringing it up. And I'm so grateful that like, I have this context and I'm just so grateful that Taylor is committed to Easter eggs that are so wildly complex and have like such meaning behind them that I was able to like actually understand this beautiful scene that I'm addicted to watching. And now I can have like meaning behind it as well. Yeah. Not only just be like, hee hee pink trailer park but also like she's referencing some serious shit yeah blender she doesn't even know exactly or no one else even knows like yeah i love that you referenced hotel california with the pink champagne too like as if we needed more evidence that that's the kind of tableau she's like painting amazing just amazing well, because when you said pink champagne, I was like, oh, yeah, duh. Another thing Shelly said in that speech that I don't have the exact quote for, but she said something along the lines of it would take a really big major artist to come out and change the music industry completely to end this homophobia and this machine of being closeted in the industry. It would take a giant artist to shatter that. And you putting that context in for me of timing of Taylor being on the Speak Now tour or about to start it. Oh my God, was that not like her peak at that time? She just continues to peak. Let's just be honest with ourselves. Like her career has just been peak after peak. Like she outdoes herself every album, but like. Yeah, exactly. That one was, she was even bigger than Fearless and she didn't think she was going to get bigger than Fearless even. Yeah. So. Also, the other thing that you mentioned too about Shelly Wright's like the main quote is, um, that she said it took three years to come out. Taylor's always saying that her decisions and Holly and like her career are three years ahead. And like that obviously might be a coincidence. Like maybe that's how everyone in Hollywood kind of thinks or, you know, the really smart kind of like business minded ones like Taylor. Um, yeah. And by smart business minded, I mean, you know, capitalist. Um but like, right. like still, that's a very interesting coincidence, especially because we like to think of her lover era as her coming out era and like the planned coming out. And in Miss Americana, she's talking about planning three years in advance. So I just feel like a lot of it is like swimming around. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's very true. And honestly, the three years thing is probably also because they are in the same kind of contracts where it's two album or where it's an album every two years touring after the album, like the same routine over and over again in a three year cycle, two years album tour, two years album tour. Like, so it makes sense that she's also on the three year cycle and it tells a lot about Taylor's 
planning and that Gaylers aren't crazy for thinking and knowing that she planned that coming out and that she planned Easter eggs to slowly come out and just at one point be so obviously gay that everyone's like, oh, how did we not know? Like, it proves that artists will do that. And of course, Taylor, someone who already does that for fun, not having to do with being gay. Like, okay, so she puts the stuff in the blender and then it cut. She says, are you okay? Like it's 7 a.m. Are you okay? And then she has her little back tattoo and she flips up her pink jacket as in her little bikini and her glasses holding her little pink lemonade Cosmo glass. And she walks away from the burning trailer behind her. Do, 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 do. So knowing the that Cosmo the glass with a daisy floating in it, by the way, that she grips onto for dear life for the rest of the video. I swear oh. to God, for most of it, she's holding that little Cosmo glass with a little pink drink and a little daisy floating in it as a garnish oh my god i just assumed it was a lemon i didn't even look you're so obviously it's a daisy and there are 11 more where that came from reddit user petite philo zero counted 12 total daisies hidden in the you need to calm down music video in very very obscure spots and you know what i would like to add to that taylor is also a daisy so they're actually 13 because now I'm your Daisy. Yeah. Yeah. So Taylor's the 13th Daisy. You're so right. Yeah. I was about to say there has to be a 13th one that we didn't catch yet. And honestly, that's what it is. You're so right. (laughs) Um, And it's so cute too, because, and, and, and the reason I feel confident in saying that she's the 13th Daisy is because the Daisy is floating around the Cosmo glass and then we see Taylor floating around the pool. Okay, so she's walking. She's living her little gay life. The blender, everything's on fire. Mama, I'm a rich man, burning. And then we see Taylor in her pool, in her yellow float. It's yellow like the daisy. She is the daisy. She is the daisy. She's in her little yellow float. With her little pink glass. Oh, wait. With the daisy floating in it. Pause. Pause. The trailer... The trailer lights on fire, we're assuming, because she leaves the blender on. She walks away from it. Oh. She leaves the blender on. I didn't even think of that. Yes, you're right. The trailer catches fire. She burns the closet down, destroys the big machine blender that chews people up and spits them out. She just... She walks away from it. And burns it all to the ground. Her closet isn't even intact anymore. She can't even go back in. Do you think that that's how she viewed her lover era? She was like, I'm never going back in. And honestly, she hasn't gone back in. Like, you could argue that Long Pond Studio Sessions and her explanations are her going back in the closet. But, like, I would argue that that's not the case. Like, I don't like her explanations as much as the next gay. But, like... I also don't think that she, her art speak for, speaks for itself. You know what I mean? And her unhinged conversation with Jack, um, in which Jack is being wildly sarcastic and Aaron Dessner is um, trying to drink the pain away, is 
you know, art in of itself. Uh, So yeah, I would argue that she has kind of refused to go back in the closet to the same degree. I completely agree. She makes it incredibly obvious that things are really fake and made up and a bit now. Like... It feels like, I mean, we're the first people to say that there are so many ways to interpret her lyrics. And if one of them is a explanation, that is one way to interpret her lyrics. Like, factually, it is one way. And that's just one way that she was performing on Long Pond. And it's a business deal in my mind. Because we have all of this information about the industry. And the way we talked about it on our episode about Long Pond and everything was just like... She has contracts with Disney. Her lawyer was a producer. Of course, she's just gonna say things. <laughs> like She has to sell albums and sell Disney streaming. Like While I'm paused on the little Taylor floating in her yellow daisy little thing, the pool is unbelievably cheap looking that she's in. Do you see what I mean? It, oh, and the course. flowers look like they were taken from like, michaels out front of michaels they like put the stuff for clearance outside which is very like diy queer summer culture like that is very much the kind of pool that i would expect to see in like the trailer park that my grandparents had like a trailer in. you know like i would expect it to be like very diy like you get a big kind of like shipping container and then cover it with a tarp and then like the roses it's like why not for pride month so like that that's so of course gay people would do that exactly (laughs) like clearance on michael's for roses like hell yeah we're having a rose pool um so i think this might be an instance that's not the gayest thing i've ever heard like it is the gayest exactly so clearance at michael's (laughs) those words clearance at michael so clearance at michael's um so this might be a classic no it wasn't a mansion taylor cosplaying poverty well that's what this whole video is that was also how have we not gotten into that that was also a reason that i cringed at this video that kind of cringe hasn't really gone away but i'll let it be and it never will it never will yeah i really want to honor the fact that people that have lived in trailer parks and like areas like this might be very hurt by Taylor putting this on as like an aesthetic and I really hear that and please be mad at her please it's important that we really express you know and like feel our feelings about how fucked up everything is in this capitalist I guess that's probably why I was like god this is so low budget like I was like why is this so low budget she's rich like why is she in the trailer park (laughs) because (laughs) oh she didn't grow up in a mansion it's camp for her it's camp for her (sighs) Yeah, that's really quite the choice. This very wrinkly tarp is very interesting. Yeah. And so she's floating in water in her little, like, it's like the daisy that she's floating in with her little daisy in the cup to symbolize her being the daisy floating is like cool as a cucumber while the world, the big machine burns behind her. Uh, Exactly. So quite the wishful thinking. And she talks about that too. And I watched the behind the scenes videos too, right before we started recording just to see what like her vibe was. Yeah. Katie, in the behind the scenes video, I know you love her dry humor. And literally both of those videos is her doing her dry humor voice, her little bit. Like she's literally like, I'm floating on the pool with my fur coat on as I casually do every day at 10 a.m. with a drink in my hand and I'm floating. And obviously, because why am I not? And everything is great. And 
this is just how I spend my regular day, so it's nothing new. And everyone's just like, <laughs> we don't know how to act when Taylor's <laughs> funny. <laughs> exactly. Oh no, literally. I would She's do... being funny, guys. You can yeah, laugh. I... She doesn't. <sighs> this is why I want to be her friend. She deserves people that understand how funny she is. Also, you know, I'm not a fan of Todd Call, and um, it is fun considering how, like, exploitative Todd Call is and how, like, he doesn't seem to really value the human beings that he works with um, based on those people's, uh, you know, thoughts that they've expressed and complaints they have of him. I do. I am really tempted to blame the sort of, like, exploitation of this aesthetic on Todrick because he's the director. Yeah, it's really bad that I felt relieved when you said that Todrick actually directed it. I was like, oh, that makes sense. That's why it's I was like, bad. okay, okay, yeah. all of this makes sense now. But also, I don't know. I don't know Todrick Hall enough, honestly. I, I only know what I've heard of, like, people's experience with with, with him where they've been a victim by yes. his hand. So I exactly. don't... <laughs> exactly. I don't know much else about him other than that. After we see her floating... We get the shot of like, okay, so we see her that she's not just in her own trailer, isolated. She's in this gay trailer park where rainbow flags are waving in the entrance. And what else is in the entrance? A sign that says 16th Avenue, which is fascinating to me because this was one of the Easter eggs that was like noticed a little bit after the video came out. Because Taylor, when she saw that someone had noticed, was like, I was wondering when someone would catch on to that Easter egg. She said that? She said that on Tumblr. I did not know that. Exactly. So she was very excited for people to notice that this was 16th Avenue. And I have a lot of feelings about that. Because on one level, the immediate thing is like, oh, in I Think He Knows... The idea that her heart's skipping down 16th Avenue, her heart's skipping through this gay wonderland. Gay. That's gay. But then on the other hand, I'm like, that's such an inter that's so interesting because I've interpreted I think he knows when she says he's got my heart skipping down 16th Avenue as like now I can go record music because I have a beard and I can skip down 16th Avenue. I have a lover to attribute said music to. Exactly. I have a public figure to attribute said music to. Um, So now I can skip happily down 16th Avenue right to the recording studio and in Nashville and um, have someone to attribute this music to. So it's kind of like mixed messages. You know what I mean? That whole song is mixed messages and freaks me out because then it like that after that line it's like he's got that and then it's like a crazy robot being like (laughs) and then it's like i need want to see what's under that and it's like girl wait what he's got what what does he have (laughs) you're so right that's a weird song no it's a very weird song if you've listened to the stems before it's the weirdest of all of her like audio stems because yeah, that's right. Like I heard that noise and like clarity. Yeah, it's it's all robots. It's all weird, like glitchy sounds, which makes me interpret it even more so as like a bearding thing. It's like I'm only skipping down Music Row in Nashville because now I can sing about being straight and Music Row wants me to be straight. But it also could represent like all of the trailers being all the different musicians Closeting. closets on, on 16th Avenue. Exactly. OK, thank all you. All of these nashville artists yeah yeah that are in gay camp all together 
But only together. They're only allowed to be gay together. Yeah. And that would explain why every single celebrity in this is a queer celebrity. Every single person. If the blender is Big Machine and it's in... It's in this place yeah. on 16th Ave. You're right. I mean, Big Machine is also on 16th Ave. Yeah, exactly. So we see a little entrance. We see people hula hooping, having their gay little time. Taylor's still relaxing, maxing by the pool. Okay, at this point, we're seeing like YouTube stars um, that I'm not really familiar with. I will say that I don't know a lot of the people in this video. There are a few kind of like. Like E! Entertainment News breakdowns of the Easter eggs in this video. But none of them actually felt like in-depth enough. Like they felt very like baseline. Like I anyone could tell me that. Like a lot of them didn't even have like telling me what each person was. So I wasn't actually able to find that. But we do get to the point where we see someone on a stationary bicycle surrounded by eating one orange in front of their orange trailer with oranges all on the ground. A very random shot that lasts for like less than two seconds. Exactly. So this is the connection found by Tato Pancakes, user Tato Pancakes, who I just want to remind everyone is the person that inspired our love letter to Taylor Valentine's episode. Um, so shout out again to Tato Pancakes for always making an appearance on the Archers. Um, yeah, they pointed out. They also got second in trivia. Oh my God, you're so right. Oh my God, they're iconic. Or fourth? Or, no. Oh, oh, they got. I don't know. They, they placed third. Ultimately, they got third. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was fourth, but then it ended up being third because of a technicality. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um. So they pointed out iconic Gaylor Tato pancakes. Um. That this is a connection to oranges are not the only fruit, which is a book by Jeanette Winterson. Um, it came out in the 80s. It's like kind of a seminal queer text, um, especially a seminal lesbian text. So this is how it's described. I thought nothing of this scene until Tato Pancakes pointed all of this out. And all of this is like referencing Tato's post and also just research that I did after seeing that. The book was made into a show on BBC too. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that too. So it is about an English girl who is a lesbian and it's a coming of age story And from Wikipedia, it says, key themes of the book include transition from youth to adulthood, complex family relationships, same-sex relationships, organized religion, and the concept of faith. Not that anytime I see the fruit orange, I'm going to think of this book necessarily, but the fact that this is a gay music video, not just like us assuming it's gay, this is a gay music video. And this is a really random, specific, intentional scene for yeah. a reason. Yeah. And if if we're thinking of like, you know, maybe she just wanted to make tableaus similar to what we see in the Lover video where every room is a different color, um, you know, which we, thanks to the Gaylor Leah on the Reddit, we have like been able to connect to the design of a camp classic but i'm a cheerleader similarly i feel like she's making different color tableaus 
that ultimately add up to the rainbow here. So like, why wouldn't for the orange one, have she directly referencing oranges are not the only fruit, which is like a classic lesbian text. There could be even more connections to different Taylor things since maybe she has read this. Um, if you have read this book, maybe maybe think a little bit. If there's any more references you can think of that might be connected to Taylor, that would be cool. But another quote about the book that I read online said, People like to separate storytelling, which is not fact, from history, which is fact. They do this so that they know what to believe and what not to believe. Oh my god, identical. Right, right. It's folklore. And in the book, there's these like little allegories throughout it of like fairy tales where it kind of like goes off track from the actual story and like starts telling fairy tales that symbolize what's happening in the actual story, but it's not telling the actual story, like folklore. Um, but in the show that they made, interestingly enough, the little fairy tales that are woven into the novel do not appear on the screen in the show. The show just turns out being the story of the main character and what's actually happening, but doesn't include all of the fairy tale like aspects of it. And I thought that was really interesting because that's Taylor having like her kind of like double life. Like there's the little fairy tale aspect of it. And then there's the actual story. And when are we going to see the actual story of folklore on screen, not the Long Pond Studio oh, Sessions version? Yes. Yes. You know what I mean? I love that. Like, that was just seeing the allegorical fairy tale part being projected onto Disney+. Plus. Like, I want to see the real story Me on screen. Me too. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Maybe we will. Evelyn Hugo. Evelyn Hugo. And then we can't forget our own little, like, folklore, like, folkmore cinematic universe that we've created. Maybe that's the real story of folklore that we'll be seeing. You're right. (laughs) It is our girls in Tupelo, Georgia, the place that we (laughs) somehow made up and talked about an entire episode that never existed. I think I might have cut it out of our Evermore episode. No, but you didn't. If you didn't hear it, we did think no, that you there did was not a... edit Oh, I did out. I don't think I could. Uh, right, because I talk about it too much. I feel like our like listeners have been bullied by other people because of our mistake. Because we, I in particular, was so convincing that Tupelo, Georgia was a real place that people have spouted it off and... I believe you. I know. It's a curse. Um, that people have spouted it out. I promise yeah. I was not intentionally lying. I just got confused because I of do that too. honey. We make things up here. We make things up here. The archers. We make things up. We just make things up. We were thinking about putting a disclaimer in our podcast description that says everything that we talk about is fiction. This is all folklore. This is folklore. All of it is all of it is the truth and all of it is not the truth. I so would I I would honestly out. love if our disclaimer that we have that's like we're not associated with Taylor Swift blah, blah, blah. I would love if it was a little more tongue in cheek Taylor like being like this isn't real don't worry. <laughs> right. I just legally don't know how, like, that's binding. lawyers would deal exactly. with that. Like dry humor as the as the disclaimer. God for against if taylor's any indication dry humor does not go over well in hollywood so another interesting part of oranges are not the only fruit and my last kind of point Mm. for this is that um the artist not the artist well yeah the artist the author of the book said 
although it's sometimes referred to as a lesbian novel, she objects to that label. She says, I've never understood why straight fiction is supposed to be for everyone. Mm. But anything with a gay character or that includes gay experiences is only for queers. Right. Wow. Wow. So she is coming out against Which is so interesting. Because this is Taylor. This is Taylor being like, no, it's not a lesbian song, actually. I'm queer and it's written by a queer person, but it's for everyone. Don't step on our gowns. I don't know why. It took me three times to read that quote to understand what she was saying. Because at first I was like... Mm, I'm like, are you lesbophobic or are you just <laughs> no, definitely not lesbophobic. Are you trying to like very lesbian break barriers, right? Exactly. No, yeah. And then I was like, okay, I get what you're saying. I mean, yeah. that's kind of the thing. I and I was like, oh, that's Taylor. I mean, I personally like that's something that you hear all the time from like different marginalized artists. Is like there are a lot of artists that are like, please don't refer to me as a gay artist, a lesbian artist, um, or like. Yeah, like, uh, there are a lot of artists that don't want to be referred to as a black artist. Like, they deserve to be just an artist and, like, not have their identity as, like, a qualifier onto everything. Because, obviously, white men never are a white male artist unless you're in very specific circles. But, in general, they would never be referred to that way. They're just an artist. So, it is, like, radical to push against those qualifying labels when you're a marginalized person and i really support individuals doing that i personally i want to only be referred to as like a queer whatever because like i am just so like everything i do i want it to be actually just for queers um and like yeah so like i, th- I feel like that's just up to all of us to decide what we want i also like everything i do to be queer mm-hmm. Because that's, like, the label that I like. And that's the identity that I like. But it is also empowering in a way for you to just be a queer person and be a person. Yes. And the things that you do are queer, regardless of if you call it that or not. Like, I get both. I really do. I do, too, as well, for sure. I'm curious where we go after the oranges scene. Because I can't really remember the sequence after that. She goes into the chorus. You need to calm down. We see a... Oh, okay. This is where we see Laverne Cox. Literally a little person in pink faints as they're greeted by Laverne Cox watering her plants, um, which is very fair. I literally think that when I watched this, I was like, that is true. I also would faint if Laverne Cox casually waved to me in her like gorgeous pink gown. It's like crazy. Okay. Then we see Todrick in very bad drag cheap drag not like considering he was a judge on rupaul's drag race it is embarrassing how bad of drag he's in i will say oh, i'm so glad you said it i'm so glad you said it it's really, really, really i mean like rupaul is on set and that's the drag he's gonna be in that's weird it's like disrespectful exactly and all the other queens that got onto that stage dressed as pop stars and eight eight and todrick has the audacity to put on some silver cover girl eyeshadow please Please. with a foam tip brush madison like Uh, and you would know i would know that was the only reason i used to watch drag race was to watch them do their makeup What an angel. And speaking of angels, we are now transitioning to 
what might be the official scene of the archers in which Haley Kiyoko shoots her bow and arrow directly at the number five. So victory for us, because how did we start this podcast one season ago our very first episode of the archers and of course the namesake of our podcast we talked about how the archer is her coming out song and sure enough in this video we have Haley kiyoko who is frequently referred to as lesbian jesus like i literally see her referred to that way all the time we see Haley kiyoko as the archer not just casually, but directly hitting the five in track five. What else can you say? She's referencing a song that is heartbreaking mm-hmm. in a song about celebrating gay pride mm-hmm. and coming out. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why else would she be referencing a heartbreaking track five in one of her most celebratory songs ever yes. if it was not? If the archer wasn't in the context of coming out, it puts the archer in the coming out narrative, especially because it transitions that scene transitions the video into the explicitly anti homophobia part in which you then get to hear the verses of like, don't step on his gown like you're attacking my friends like that aspect. It goes from Haley Coco shooting the arrow, the arrow hitting the five, and then directly transitioning to homophobic protesters outside of the trailer park. Yeah, and literally, you see Haley Kyoko pumping her fist for getting the bullseye, so excited that she made the bullseye as the archer. And then it transitions from her celebrating to um, a like gay wedding where two men are getting married. Um, I'm not sure who the two men are. I'm kind of assuming that it's the the gay guy from Modern Family. I forget his name. He has like three names and he's on Broadway. Um, he's one of the gay couple, but like only one of them is actually gay in real life. And it's him. And then I think if I remember correctly, it's his real life husband that he's getting married to in the thing, in the video. But I don't know. I also don't know enough about both of those yes. people, but I think you're anyway, right. right. Yes, about who they are. So it cuts from Haley Kyoko victoriously being like, I got bullseye, I'm the archer, to like this gay wedding. Okay, so then we see more of Todrick Hall. Everyone's so happy about the gay wedding. And then we cut to what I think is the weirdest choice of this music video that I'm still so perplexed at. Which is the way that they characterize the homophobic protesters. Which is literally fucked up considering that they're already doing like poverty cosplay. And now we see people who are actively poor, have bad hygiene, are in like old worn down clothes, have bad teeth. You know, bad teeth. I don't want to say that anyone's teeth are bad, but like are missing teeth and like look visibly poor and like uneducated and like that's who they've decided to make like the big enemy of like gay people which is very interesting to me because it's like aren't you celebrating like poor people at this trailer park like why are you then tearing 
poor people down. Like, there are lots of queer people that look like these protesters. Like, this is kind of par for the course for being poor and in rural areas. Like, I don't know why they had to make them look this way. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, clearly missing gaps of, like, awareness as (laughs) to, like, the systemic issues of this country of of the of america like i understand why the stereotype of a trump loving redneck from rural indiana with no teeth that smells bad and lives lives in a trailer park is such an idiot Mm. and votes for trump and is like so stupid and doesn't read books yeah and this and that right the misspelled signs okay, but let's keep oh, in mind Jesus. this person yeah let's keep in mind that uneducated people yes they're often ignorant because they are uneducated yeah. and they're uneducated because they're poor right. and the system doesn't give education to poor people that live in rural areas and that includes white people that are racist totally. and homophobic Absolutely. and bigoted and vote for trump they are stuck in places that sometimes don't have internet access, sometimes don't have updated textbooks. Like, all of these factors that go into being, like, systemically poor and uneducated are a reason as to why people stay bigoted. Yeah. And it's very clear with these scenes that Taylor doesn't have the class awareness to know how those things work. And I hope she has learned by now because there was criticism about mm. this. Like at the oh, time, really? I hope that she has read a little bit more or learned somehow in some whatever way that ultra rich people can learn about being poor and about like class division. If there is a way. What was that book that came out? Like Hillbilly Elegy? Like such a like fucked up like. Oh, like we need to have more compassion for like the white racists in this country. It's like that is not at all where I'm coming from. Like, I do not want to have compassion for like white racists that are like actively committing harm on like their neighbors and um, like other people in this world. But I do think it's a very unfortunate, like painful choice as like a current like mentally ill queer that's living in a rural area that sometimes like looks unkempt in like her little country atmosphere like to see these people that like could very well be queer themselves like just because they look this way like just because they have you know they're like dirty and not wearing good clothes it's like why is that and then the misspelling is so like ableist and fucked up like Obviously, like, that's kind of the narrative that they're working with. You know, like, they're trying to evoke um, that church, uh, the, like, Kansas one. I can't believe. I love it for myself that I can't remember them because there's a time when I thought about them a lot. I feel like the only time she's actually addressing the real people that make up institutional homophobia is during the blender scene at the beginning. Because, like, that is when she's addressing that it's the Hollywood machine that is actually, like, committing the, like, harm in this world. Like, realistically, the people actually that are posing material threats to gay people um, 
look less like this and are more very rich senators and like very well-dressed people like i wish that she had called out senators as opposed to like these people that don't really can't even have a grasp on their own lives let alone like other people's so that's a shame like, what if it had been, like, a... It's a just very surface to, level. It's so surface there level. There was no thought. Because what if it had cut to, like, a group of, like, senators outside of the trailer park trying to close it down? Or, like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. What if they had turned... Like, there's just so many other narratives And then, like, turning with. around and kissing each other. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly locking up the gates of gay camp and then like making out out front exactly like that would have been camp oh that would have been so camp and i'm surprised rupaul being there didn't suggest that because you know he loves stuff like that that's like very rupaul is being like Mm -hmm. the senators like Mm -hmm. the homophobic ones are always the gay ones which is problematic in of itself but still a little like yeah like more palatable in a video that's co-opting poverty. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. It makes a little more sense for it to be the rich people as uh-huh. the fucking villains and the protesters. Uh-huh. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, so then we cut to Tan France, one of the queer eyes, pouring tea into his mouth. And then we see Taylor in her iconic bi flag wig in her amazing purple cowgirl studded silk shirt. Another incredible look. And I want to say something. As you know, we are committed on the archers to never putting a label onto Taylor's sexuality until she does. We just know we queer recognizes queer and that's where we end it. And that's where we'll always end it. But I do want to bring out that not only has this wig been read as a bi flag wig being the blue, purple and pink, but it has also been read as a partial gay pride wig because so the top of her head is green then blue then purple then pink which is like half of a rainbow flag that is very interesting too that she's like not fully committing because like if this is hair dye we always call that's the other thing too is we always call it a bi flag wig but it kind of doesn't even look like a wig like it kind of looks like she just used um like spray and hair dye which i think is a brilliant choice because she's saying it's not something that i can just take off like this is like it was very important to her to have it not be a wig but to actually have it be her hair growing out of her head I think that it's important to realize that it, it, like, she may have purposefully, like, had it be green, blue, purple, pink, as opposed to just blue, purple, pink, to symbolize that maybe she doesn't completely identify with the label bi, but does know that she's queer in some capacity, you know? So I'm just putting that out there. Don't ever argue with me about if Taylor's bi or lesbian or queer. I don't know when I'm not interested in putting those labels on her. (laughs) Exactly. No, same. We want to make that clear. We've made that clear since since season one. Um, But I just realized as you were saying that, 
because I always did see the green. And honestly, that's something that Hitler's always comment on my videos when I talk about the bi wig. They say, um, it actually has green on it. So it's actually not a bi wig. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what she wants you to think. That's why she put green on it. Um, and then also, though, every single color that you named from the wig or from that hair is an invisible string. Oh. Teal, green, purple, pink, blue. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, literally every color in invisible yeah. string. She loves colors. I almost feel like this is major theory vibes, but that's why we're here. Um, I wonder if she's, like, trying... This was her trying to soft launch, like, coming out in an official way with a label. Yes. And yes. she was like, I wonder if people will take this as bisexual and run with it. And I wonder if yeah. that will be my way of, of like, being queer but not actually saying it or, like, what I am. And, like, yes. people will take that as a palatable thing that I can be because I've been with men to them. And, you know... Mm-hmm people think i've been with women so bye works right exactly. right fans you know what bye i mean works. like i feel like yeah, it almost yeah. could have been her just being like this will work for now for you guys to speculate about me being bi like a soft launch exactly well and then of course with her bi pride br- bracelet that she wore um in like photo shoots and photos before this as well like it does seem like she was like she loves blue purple pink it during the lover era like those are the colors so of course you would read this as a continuation of those colors that she's using and um also at one point i remember i don't know whether it was on taylor's official instagram or one of the people that was in the video's instagram but someone commented on a photo of her in this in this hair and said, are those, is that a, is that a bi pride flag for her wig? And Anthony, one of the queer guys, liked that comment. Yeah, that says to me that, like, she was like, and this is my way of, like, you know, kind of wrapping my bisexuality. Like, she said that to the people there because she trusts them all. And Anthony was like, yay, someone got it. I did Why? find a clip in the behind the scenes of Todrick. He was like must have been like changing his outfit or something because taylor was like talking to um hannah hart and um i don't know a couple other people that were in that scene they were just like standing there about to film a scene and then todrick walks up and she's like oh my god hi you look great and then he turns to her and he like waves his hands around the wig specifically around her head her hair and he goes oh my god he goes this is everything i ever wanted and he's ta- he's referencing no. the hair, going like, "This oh, is wow. everything I've ever wow, wanted." Wow, wow. And then it cuts to a completely different scene after, like, it being that scene for like two minutes. It cuts after he says that immediately. Actually, it doesn't cut immediately. Let me correct myself because then he goes into saying, "This feels like my second coming out. Like I'm so happy to be here. It literally feels like I'm coming out again. Like I could cry," as he's talking about her wig. For all of the fact that every single person in this video, every queer person in this video is involved with like capitalism in some way because they're all like celebrities to a degree. So do their values really like match up with ours? We don't know for sure. But like, I want to say that 
most queer people aren't happy with people exploiting them and aren't like comfortable and feel good about being exploited and used in a way that like if Taylor was straight, this would be like wildly appropriative of queer culture. Um, yeah. And icons, queer icons are queer in this icons. video. Laverne Cox would not just be in a video for a straight yes. ally gal to be making a little yes. pine video for funsies. And neither exactly. would RuPaul, neither would any of the drag queens, neither would well, Hannah would. Hart. Honestly, <laughs> I used to be a fan of her. Yeah, RuPaul yes, would. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Hannah Hart tweeted when Reputation came out and said, Gorgeous is Taylor Swift's gayest song. And then Taylor invited her to be in this music video after Hannah tweeted Ugh. that Gorgeous was her most gay song. Oh, my God. And Hitler's trying to tell us that Taylor doesn't like Gaylers. She loves us. Sorry to break it to you. She loves us. We're her favorite. She made a whole video about us called You Need to Calm Down. Okay, so we see her in her little wig with Todrick. Okay, and then it goes to a clip of someone giving out snow cones. And I'm wondering what the connection that... is with that. I feel like there has to be some queer media. Uh-huh. I do know it. I It's the only research that I pulled up for this because it is iconic to me. Katie, this is the only thing that I was pissed off about that I couldn't find a reference or a connection to. Are you kidding so me? I am elated to hear that you have something because I was going to ask you. I am so excited to tell you that it is thanks to none other than Tato motherfucking pancakes posting on Reddit. It is essentially this scene as well as the scene of a bunch of um a bunch of them sunbathing with those like little reflective mirrors in front of them on yellow chairs this and the snow cone scene look to be direct references to the music video for girls by the 1975 i'm gonna throw up you're kidding and for I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Um, I really feel like we need to be linking all these like amazing Reddit posts like in the description. Um, I literally will. And yeah, good. Exactly. Because people deserve the credit for like this incredible detective work. But the thing about Girls by the 1975 is that the 1975 is fronted by Maddie Healy, who is openly queer um and taylor herself seems to have a very storied relationship with the 1975 and particularly the song girls um yeah and if you don't really know about taylor's relationship with the song girls in the 1975 i really recommend that you google taylor swift in 1975 yeah you um, will find out immediately yes you will and you will become familiar it is i incredibly You'll become familiar about her connections with this song. And um, it is incredible to see the, like, kind of direct comparisons of these scenes and that music video. Um, yeah. I knew you'd especially be happy about this, Madison, because I know what a big, how storied 1975 is in your, in your life. Yeah. 
Like I'm yeah. I'm shocked that I didn't think about this and that's probably why I was so frustrated because I was like you knew it. this is something deep down. Yes. Exactly. I was like exactly. I know this is something and I can't figure out what it mm-hmm. is. Oh my god. Yeah, and speaking of like another amazing connection with the 1975 is of course their song God Bless America 2005 where, you know, it's actively about kissing boys. Um and it is a song with Phoebe Bridgers and she talks about being with girls and yeah, a really like, I love the way the 1975 plays into Taylor lore, Taylor, if you will. Yeah. Oh my God. Thank you for bringing that up. I totally forgot about that song and I've always wondered if Taylor was involved in like helping write it or something. I love that song. It wouldn't surprise me at all. I love, love, love. It's my favorite, like one of my favorite songs for sure. Mm-hmm. it's so sweet. definitely one of my favorite phoebe bridgers songs yeah <sighs> okay so now we have the snow cone answer um yes. we got a lot of uh, shots of the queer eye guys in like a little circle like making little faces whatever moving past it um and then we go to russell brand branding aka tattooing um ellen in the trailer in not the trailer but a trailer so this is one of the only cuts to back inside of a trailer again we see ellen getting tattooed with cruel summer by russell brand because cruel summer is about secrets she keeps secrets she has to keep it in the trailer Yes, 16th Avenue. Does. I think he knows. That's out on the street, baby. That's that's everyone can see the 16th Ave sign referencing. I think he knows. Everyone can see the archer. They don't necessarily know what it means. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. the archer, she's out. She's coming out. And then Cruel Summer, though, she's that song is in the closet. That song is still deeply in that trailer. She is sneaking into the garden gate. And pain. It's a tattoo. I love you. That's like pain. Pain. Yes, uh, uh, like truly leaving a mark that is like never like, yeah, so painful to get and so painful to remove. Someone Tattoos are scarification. Exactly. <laughs> like they're scars. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like pleasurable in the moment scarification. So Russell Brand, Katy Perry's ex-husband, very interesting yeah, that he is in this video because I like Lizzie is a big fan of like British kind of comedians and loved um loves um Russell Brand's like little buddy Noel Fielding um and one of Lizzie's like favorite kind of things is like on the big fat quiz of the year like back in the 2000s um Russell Brand and Noel Fielding would like have a little homoerotic friendship time where they were just so cute with each other but, like, other than that kind of little bromance thing that they had going, and just the fact that European men in general are way more homoerotic with each other than American men are kind of, like, allowed to be, I had no idea that Russell Brand was queer in any capacity. So I was thinking that he was, like, you know, a, one of the only straight people in this. I thought it was, like, him and Ryan Reynolds were the straight people. But as we're about to discuss, it turns out Ryan Reynolds is not straight. Yeah, I also had no idea. I also didn't even catch the fact that um, Russell Bland, Russell Brand was the one giving Ellen a fucking tattoo. I didn't remember that scene at all, actually, because it comes and goes so fast. Um, yes, it does. 
But as someone who was a Katy Perry stan and watched her mm, mm, mm. concert documentary, part of me, where you watch Russell Brand completely destroy her and you watch her crying backstage, sobbing at her phone because he's broken up with her after getting engaged to her while she's on tour over text as she's about to go on in like two hours and then you see her get her makeup on and get on stage and perform anyways i was crying with her in that goddamn theater and i hated russell brand since 2010 because of it oh my god that's how long ago they were together yeah and then she got yeah. with like orlando bloom i think yeah of course yeah yeah but like what is he doing in the same piece of media as Katy perry I'm so confused. Exactly. He, like, exactly. was framed as, like, yeah. borderline abusive. I don't remember if there was actually, like, totally. allegations. But I remember thinking no, I think to myself, like, this been. looks like abuse. Yeah. Especially because I remember hearing, um, like, when they did break up. Like, I'm pretty sure Russell Brand said in his, like, autobiography or his memoir or whatever that Katie broke up with him over text. Oh, my God. That was not true. <laughs> well, as that's far as what, what I saw. So, like what is no 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 of course so like i truly don't know anything about russell brand other than what i told you about lizzie um and like her very casual long ago um being like they have a cute little boys being boys friends you know what i mean um and so yeah i'm like very confused about his presence too especially when you add the contemptuous katie perry thing onto it so i'm assuming that him and katie must be on better terms now a and b uh-huh. i'm assuming that he is queer in some way because everyone else in this video is and closeted and, and that's why he's in the yeah. trailer perhaps or maybe we're not paying attention to russell brand are there any russell brand stands here that know that he's queer has he said that in something and no one paid attention the same way they do to all these other people or russell brand stands rise and let us yeah know. <laughs> so audiences i'm looking for this episode a cross stitchers mm. who are straight quote yep. unquote b russell brand stands yeah. i feel like they might fall into the same category so just let me know amazing cross cross stitchers russell brand stands and listeners of the archers oh yeah and straight you have to be straight Mm -hmm. too sorry and i am sorry about that okay so ellen gets her cruel (laughs) ellen gets her cruel summer tattoo we see the second half of the 1975 girls reference with them and the protesters and then we see Billy Porter, basically, Billy Porter walks in between the, like, gays sunbathing with their little um, reflective and the protesters. And Billy Porter is wearing, like, a very regal, kind of, like, elegant ensemble and does a very much, like, kind of runway kind of look. It's kind of like a runway walk. And I'm not super impressed with the drag. Um, Again, like, I'm not a huge fan of the blue lipstick. And in general, it's not, like, my favorite, favorite look. But that's okay. Whatever. Billy Porter's just living his life. Like, um, certainly better than Todrick Hall's look, to be sure. I was going to say, at least it's better than Todrick absolutely it's just hard because then we get into like the real actual like what they do for living drag queens 
And it, like, truly, like, any other dragon, it really goes out the window because they're, like, Mm -hmm. as you said earlier, eating. Yeah, so we have a whole line of drag queens. It immediately cuts to. And I need your help identifying one of who these celebrities are supposed to be. Starting from left to right, we have Ariana Grande, who is being represented by the drag queen Tatiana. Then we have Lady Gaga, who I believe is being represented by Trinity Taylor, a.k.a. Trinity the Tuck, but I can't say for sure. Then we have Adele. Then we have Cardi B. And And it's very interesting that they specifically put Trinity K. Bonet, who's the drag queen playing Cardi B, they specifically put her in Cardi B's, the like her debut album that like um, Bodak Yellow is from. Like it's truly the like album's cover outfit, which I think is so interesting because none of the other girls are really in like iconic outfits like that. Um, so like it, you really know who Cardi B is. Then we have Taylor herself, or the drag queen playing Taylor. Then we have Beyonce. Um, Jade Jade Jolie. Jade Jolie plays Taylor from season five. Jade Jolie plays Taylor. Are you serious? Mm Mm-hmm. Did Jade Jolie play her in Snatch Game? I don't know. Because someone played her in Snatch Game season five. Maybe. And Taylor was probably like, that's amazing. I need that. Yeah, she did. She did play her in Snatch Game, which is so cute. So that, I mean, that really is like Taylor's a Drag Race fan, obviously. That she's like, let's choose who who played her. Okay, so then we have, after J. Jolie playing her, we have Beyonce as a drag queen. And then who is the next celebrity? Katy Perry. I do not know who this That's supposed to be Katy Perry? I guess so. I had no idea. No. Either. None. That was the one that I, I did that have to look like up. That looks like a Lady Gaga outfit. I thought that was a Lady Gaga outfit, but then I was like, no, because we have like the monster, the fame monster ensemble. Yeah, yeah. For the, the other one. But, I mean, she is played by one of my faves, Adore Delano. Adore Delano. Iconic. Oh. What a little angel she is. And then finally we have Nicki Minaj. Chanel Davenport. Chanel Davenport is playing Nicki. That's amazing. Okay, so who is playing Adele and Beyonce? Because I know Beyonce is one of the only non-drag race queens. So Delta Work is playing Adele. Okay. And Riley Knox is playing Beyonce. And she is specifically noted as a Beyonce impersonator. Um, And that is probably also why Trinity K. Bonet is playing Cardi B as opposed to Beyonce. Because Trinity K. Bonet does an amazing Beyonce impression, but doesn't do it full time. Okay, great. So we have this line of queens. So very much like... Comparing all the girls who are killing it. So, again, we have a bunch of queer people, drag queens, members of the queer community, playing all these girls. So, even though it's transitioning, the song is transitioning into being, a like, supposedly just about, like, girl hate, girl hating, girls hating girls. 
Um, and like cat fights and the kind of like celebrity feuds, you know, all are with Katy Perry or with Nicki Minaj, as uh, also occurred with Taylor. Um, it's like that's what the lyrics are about. But we still see queer people representing them all here. Um, so it's like it doesn't abandon that concept. It is still directly queer people. She meant comparing all the girls who are killing it. That's what she actually meant. She pronounced it a little weird, but she meant girls. So. (laughs) If only Saucy Santana had been here to correct her. Um, Okay, and then we have RuPaul out of drag delivering the crown, which I'm sure gave half of these girls PTSD having to see RuPaul again since... I don't think literally any of them won Drag Race. (laughs) Ah, Okay, so the crown flies up and it's like, uh-oh, uh-oh. Like, that's kind of like I think of as like the, like, you know, in the Beyonce's world, the world, Beyonce's words, the world stops in that moment. And then it continues on. And that is when the food fight begins. And listen, there's two things we know about Taylor and what she likes. One is feet. She loves showing her feet. She will show her feet any chance she gets. Two, she loves showing cake being grabbed into. Like, there's something about grabbing cake that Taylor fucking loves because this has tons of cake grabbing. And then, of course, and I bet you think about me, I feel like the whole thing is about grabbing cake. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, that is a great metaphor that she loves. Yeah. Urban Dictionary really should sponsor Taylor's albums. Precisely. Precisely. Um, So then we have... Yeah, I mean, we have the food fight and Katy Perry and Taylor. Katy Perry wearing her burger costume that she also happened to wear to the Met Gala, which was hosted a month before this video came out. She wore this burger to the Looking Camp Straight in the Eye Met Gala. Taylor is dressed in a French fry costume. She did not attend the Met Gala. Now, as I said, we do talk more about the Katy Perry thing on our Patreon episode, so we're not going to get into it now. But I think that a very interesting thing is that this video was probably almost certainly filmed before the Met Gala took place because it came out a month after the Met Gala came place. So, like, I don't think it was filmed in that month. Granted... It does have a low budget, so maybe now we're kind of unpacking uh, why it has a low budget, because it had a quick turnaround um, in that month. That's the vibe that I'm catching. But but at the same time, I'm like, I feel like Katie, Katie Perry wearing this burger costume to the Met Gala is an Easter egg for this music video and not the other way around. But then it also makes me wonder, like, a weird theory that I have is, like, maybe Taylor had planned to go to the Camp Met Gala and then changed her mind or something. Or she 
something happened where she didn't feel comfortable going to the Met Gala anymore. Maybe there was going to be people there she didn't want to see. Maybe the conversation she didn't want to have, publicity she didn't want, whatever. And she was like, how about instead of going to the Camp Met Gala, I just make a camp music video. Let's get it together, people. Met Gala's in two weeks. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. She's like, instead of going to the Camp Met Gala, I'm going to be even more camp. And I'm going to make a gay camp video. Mm. I love Braddy Taylor. I hope that's what happened. She was like, get it together, people. Probably not true. but. And so this part is is very weird because then we get food fight we get great close-ups of like bodies of all different shapes and sizes fat bodies um like pouring water on themselves like eating like it's a very body positive thing that i'm so happy for taylor because of course miss americana had just come out or Wait, did Miss Americana just come out? Or that didn't come out until 2020, I thought. Mm-hmm. So Miss Americana has not come out yet. Mm-hmm. You're right. What am I even thinking? Because the making of this video is featured in Miss Americana. Okay. So we know that Taylor has been like, you know, had a lifelong journey with like an eating disorder. And to see such body positivity in this is another thing that I have to celebrate. And I will always celebrate. Um, so we go from that to finally we see Ryan Reynolds and I know we were all waiting for Ryan Reynolds to show up um and he's doing like Norman Rockwell cosplay because his pose he's like painting a picture and the way he leans over with his paintbrush in his mouth is a direct reference to the Norman Rockwell self-portrait um that I happen to know a lot about because where Lizzie and I got married is where Norman Rockwell is from. And um, I know like a lot about Norman Rockwell. Um, And of course, can't help but think of Lana Del Rey's album, Norman fucking Rockwell. So that's weird also that he's making a direct reference to Norman Rockwell here and is like painting this chaos. And at this point, it kind of descends into food fight madness the protester, the anti-gay protesters are there. Ryan Reynolds painting it. And Katy Wait, Perry. Katie. And yes. Ryan Reynolds is not painting the chaos of the food fight. He oh, is painting, painting. He's painting a portrait of the Stonewall Inn. Oh my god, okay. Rewind. Oh my god, what? Okay. Thank you so much for stopping me. This is why I found out he was pansexual because I was like, okay, no way Taylor would have a straight man painting Stonewall in in her music video. What the fuck is going on? And then I found out Ryan Reynolds was pansexual and I was like, okay, so she has pansexual Ryan Reynolds, a.k.a. one third of the Ryan Blake Taylor thruple. That's a joke that (laughs) me and one other person on Twitter are in on. You know who you are. I was like. So, Ryan Reynolds, queer. So, Blake Lively, Ryan Reynolds, both queer. So, real or not? Real, maybe. Real or not. Beards, maybe. Taylor dating Blake, maybe. You are so right. This still is weird. This is a weird still. Like, can I? So, this is what I have observed here. So it's him sitting behind the walls of the gay camp. These are like walls. 
and the walls have windows that have curtains over them. But then in his little sector where he's painting, there's a window without a curtain on it. And he's he can see the outside world from where he's sitting and where he's painting. Okay, yes, and yes, his yes. little section yes. is more colorful. There's flowers. There's rainbow paint. He has this open view of the outside world because he is out as a pansexual person. The other parts where he's not sitting, though, are blocked off by, like, curtains. So it's so yes. interesting that he's looking out into the outside world, but he's painting a different image. He's painting an image of Stonewall, but looking at a different view. So it's very intentional, and the fact that she chose Ryan for that scene is also very intentional, because that's obviously a close friend of hers. So it makes me yes. wonder, like, I'm like... This scene has to be very symbolic for her to specifically pick him to do it. She wasn't like, Todrick, sit down and pretend you're painting Stonewall. That's so true. That is really, really true. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. You're you so know, right. Oh, my God. I don't know. He makes too. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I can't. I'm so glad that you were like, no, no, no. Actually, look at what he's painting because it literally goes by so quickly. I have always assumed he's painting the food fight. Oh, no. Like me, too. And this time I I Good. glanced Thank and I was you. like, that looks like Stonewall because I know I know what it, the building looks like. And I swear that looks like it. And then I Googled it to make sure. And I was like, oh, yeah, there's the photo he's literally referencing. Uh, I wish we could see closer what the other photos were. Right. They're all Stonewall, though. But it's, like, so interesting that it's, like, a collage of different photos, you know? Right. Again, like, I think that that is a direct reference to the Norman Rockwell painting, which is, like, so weird. Yeah. And I didn't realize that part, yes. but that makes sense. And right. the Taylana truthers, honestly, get more right every day. Our weird Katy Perry so and Taylor thing is, like, also gaining evidence. Mm-hmm. The Taylor Blake Lively stuff is mm-hmm. gaining evidence. I just like shipping Amazing. Taylor with women. I don't really care if any of them are true. But I think it's hilarious Definitely. that these, like, so little references could add up to her just, like, having all these queer relationships. Even if they're just friendships. Like... Exactly. It's good to have. It's yeah. nice to have a friend. Plus, our little res- our little relationship anarchist will be the first to tell us that yeah. friendships are as important as romantic relationships. Yeah. So the idea that she's just bringing all of these women into her little world and showing love to them mm-hmm. could be because uh, you know, just friends. Friends are great. And just like that um, that scene of all the beauty queens, of all the drag queens, I do wonder if, because these are all, and maybe it's because I think everyone's queer, like literally everyone I look at, I'm like, they could be queer. Not that they are, but I'm always like, they could be, I could make them queer. I could make this piece of art queer. I could make this queer, whatever. <laughs> Any of those celebrities, Ariana Grande, Lady Gaga, Beyonce, Nicki Minaj, Adele, Cardi B, Katy Perry, they have all been a little fruity at some point in time like oh yeah every single one of those women lady gaga is like for sure queer Nicki minaj is for sure queer cardi b is for sure queer for sure queer yeah ariana grande said one time i like women and men in the song and everyone just kind of went haha you're so silly next beyonce is beyonce and can do anything beyonce can do anything and in I was so lucky enough to see her um, self-titled album tour. Um, And she used by lighting all over that tour. She fucking loved using by lighting at that point. So 
again, I've kind of been having it in my little pocket that Beyonce is probably, you know, like, um, I would love to think that Beyonce is getting hers while Jay-Z figures out his own shit. You know what I mean? I agree, Katie. I have thought this as well. I think that they may have reached an agreement where Beyonce was like, I'm going to go have my girlfriends since you have have your girlfriends. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. I dream of that. I'm glad you agree with me. I felt a little crazy because I was looking at each one and I was like, no, every single one of them could be queer. (laughs) I was like, literally each one. Completely. Yeah, the only one I'm really like would love to hear more about is Adele, but I know nothing about Adele other than she like curses like a sailor and has like that roughness to her that I mean, Mm -hmm. I love. And her, she was married to a man and had a kid with a man. We've never seen the man or the kid iconic i mean that's truly kind of like what what we expect i think from yeah queer celebrities these days is and adele said that she life. she chats with taylor every now and then and that they're friends oh. she said that recently for her newest release because when taylor moved her like album date back someone was like are you and Taylor on good terms in her live? And she was like, I love Taylor. Beautiful. That was beautiful accent. It took me to the royal courts of England. Okay, so Ryan Reynolds painting Stonewall. Very odd choice, but very gay nonetheless. Even if we can't super, like, we have no idea what is going on. I love that your theory that it's very personal to Taylor. And, um... Amazing. Okay, so food fight continues. Um, oh my god. I see. This is why the rumors of Taylor and Katie kissing are so prevalent, because the last minute of the video is them like snuggling, holding hands, and gazing lovingly into their each other's eyes. No, yeah. In my notes, Katie, I just exactly. wrote Taylor and Katie are actually kind of cute at the and end. And a little heart zooms in on them, like which is what like. A romance would end with in like a melodrama it would have like the heart zoom in like they're forever together um and then of course let's you would think they'd be kissing she sa- she says oh my god i fucking i love taylor swift i have to say that right now she says let's show our pride by demanding that on a national level, the government treats our citizens equally. And then after she says our pride, our, she's including herself in her pride, which is so fucked up if she's straight. So fucked up. She then says, please sign my petition for Senate support on change.org. So literally our pride, let's celebrate our pride, show our pride. And then my petition. She is claiming this. This is ownership, ownership over this queerness. We need to believe her. She is telling us and we need to believe her. This is Taylor coming out. We all need to start treating it like it was her coming out. And I think that has to be step one because the... The more we help her gaslight everyone into believing that she is out, the more it'll become reality. 
That's what I always tell people. Even my own friends that know what I talk about and that I am obsessed with Gaylor and that don't know anything about Taylor Swift. If they reference her, like, queer coding or being secretive or when Taylor Swift comes out, da 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 they always give me, like, scenarios, yes. whatever. And I always correct them and I say, Taylor Swift is out. <laughs> like Taylor Swift is out, and I yes. am tired of being gaslit. <laughs> so I will start the beautiful thesis statement. For let's like that is a thesis statement for the archers. Let's take that energy into the rest of this season. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Our motto for season two is no yes. more being gaslit. Yes. Oh, beautiful. The archers gaslight. Beautiful. Okay. Well. You know, that is You Need to Calm Down by Taylor Swift. Yeah, this has been like an amazing first episode back. I am so glad to be back on the main feed with you, Madison. Um, And I'm honestly feeling really good about going into summer celebrating the three-year anniversary of You Need to Calm Down music video being released. We planned to record this episode weeks ago, not knowing that today, the day that we are recording this, is the three-year anniversary of this song, which, like, we didn't even plan that. I just want to say thank you, everyone, for allowing us a break, even though, of course, I'm not saying that, like, you guys hold us at gunpoint to record these episodes, obviously, but thank you for being so kind and welcoming about us taking a break and for supporting us during that break on patreon all of our patrons genuinely made us feel so supportive and supported and loved when we were away and listened to us shoot the shit we are doing so many exciting things this summer including season two premiere but along with gaylor fest happening um, on the weekend of June 23rd and 24th, which if you want more information, I will go ahead and put GaylorSwift.com in the description if you haven't heard. GaylorSwift.com is a thing that we're doing and succeeding. And yeah, July, I mean, considering June is Pride Month, we have a lot to be proud about that's going to be happening in July. And it'll be great because we'll be out of the clasp that the shadow of Mercury retrograde has had on us. Like, I'm very excited to welcome July and to really dive into summer. Um, The next time that we'll be recording, I will be blonde and it will be Madison and I's blonde summer, a.k.a. Bleachella era. So, yeah, it'll just be a lot to look forward to. (laughs) We are going to definitely post little selfies, I think, on Sunday, being like, we're blonde now, bitch. Blonde Blonde summer, summer, bitch. bitch. Sylvia Plath and Taylor Swift, bitch. Gay and mentally ill, bitch. Mm, I love it. Stay, stay, stay gay for Tay, bitch. And I will. (laughs) 